is they devoted themselves to teaching of the apostles, meaning that the apostles were teaching not just whatever they wanted to teach, they were teaching the word of God. Now, obviously, they did not have this Bible back then. You know, they didn't have the New Testament yet. Uh, they were teaching out of the uh, Hebrew scriptures, the law, the book of the law. Uh, but they were teaching about the person of Jesus Christ, and they were teaching about uh, teaching the, the scriptures that they did have in light of what Jesus Christ did and accomplished on the cross and through his resurrection. And so uh, they were gaining a whole new perspective into the scripture that they had been reading all their life. And, and for hundreds of years, what they were learning and the anticipation of a Messiah and all these things, uh, they were able to now almost have a, a completed kind of a, a perspective, not fully, obviously, because we're still awaiting Jesus' return. And they did were as well, the disciples were as well, um, Granted, they, I think they had a more immediate kind of sense of uh, Christ's return, like, oh, you know, he may come back like next week, you know, uh, uh, but obviously, even as we read through the New Testament, we see the tone kind of changing, and now here, 2,000 years later, we know that's not what happened, but we are still looking forward to the second coming of Christ. Uh, so with that in mind, they were able to look, look at Genesis, you know, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Exodus, all these books, and uh, uh, have a whole new perspective into the Word, and that's what they were teaching but here it says that they devoted themselves to the teachings. There was such a, a hunger and affection for the word, uh, you know, that people had devoted. Devoted means that you're not doing anything else. You're just solely devoting. You're, you're, that's all you're doing. You, uh, that is your number one priority. You're devoting yourself to the word in this case. You know, other times, you know, we, we could devote ourselves to, uh, I don't know, practicing like a musical instrument, devoting ourselves to work, devote ourselves to family, you know, all these different things. And we, you, you get what it means to devote yourself. It says that they devoted themselves to the word, to the teaching of the apostles. Now, see, I don't think, uh, I don't think that they were, he's talking about uh, just kind of, amassing biblical knowledge in their minds you know when it says that they devoted themselves to teaching of the apostles i don't know if you uh, those those of you who have been uh, christian for some time uh, maybe even recent uh, and, and that might be more applicable to you uh, but i don't know if you ever recall a time in your journey of faith where the word um you know like it says in the bible um it tasted like honey to my lips you know it was sweet to to my lips I don't know if you have ever had that experience. I remember a few times, you know, it, I, I wish, we had an interesting discussion last night about this kind of experience, and so I, I kind of wish these experiences would, would be like 24-7, but they're not, you know. Um, but I do remember instances in my life, occasions in my life where these experiences would be more intense and more consistent and more uh, intimate uh, than other times. And, and I remember particularly in college, uh, when, you know, college was a very interesting time for me. Uh, you know, I, I had so much doubt and, 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 and uh, I was disillusioned with the church that I actually ran away from school. I got in my car and, and I went to a Christian school. I ran away. I was like, I can't go to any of these classes anymore. I don't believe in any of this. And I remember, so I had that time, but I also had a time in my, uh, during my college time, college years, where I, I was so engrossed in the word. It was uh, after that, actually, but uh, um, where I would be late to class because I'd be reading the Bible and I would lose track of time. I don't know if you, any of you have ever had that kind of experience with the word, where you're reading the word and it's like Leviticus. It's like the 
I don't want to say the worst because, oh, you know, I don't want to, you know. But it's like one of the hardest books to get through. And some of those prophets, you know, I'm sorry. I know some people are really passionate about, like Isaiah and Jeremiah. But, you know, you read it and some of it does start to sound, you know, kind of repetitive and things like that. But in that time, man, I remember just, I was so in it. And it, it, I just, I, I couldn't get enough of it. And where I, I would lose track of time. And, and I'll look at time, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm late for class. And I would have to, you know, close the book and just, like, run off, run to class from my dorm room, you know. And, uh, um, but here's the thing, you know, I, if I look back to those times, and other times like that in my life when I was like that, uh, it wasn't because I was uh, filling my mind with uh, 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 memory verses and, and stacking up my biblical knowledge. You know, this year, this, that happened, and in Chronicles, this happened, you know, all... That's not why I was so excited to read the Bible. I, I think about those times. The reason why I was so into it was because every word I was reading, I felt like I was getting to know God more. I felt like I was walking deeper into my relationship with the Lord. Every word, even though I didn't understand all of it, it was just like, you know, it's like when you fall in love and when you receive a love letter, you know, I don't, you know, uh, so, so there, I think there is a cutoff in this room, even in this room. There might be a generation in this room where you actually remember writing a, a love note, you know, in junior high school or something like that. A note, you know, if you like me, check this box, you know. But something more than that, a, a little more sweet than that, you know, a little more uh, content than, you know, like me, check this box, you know, whatever. Uh, but, you know, when you get those letters, you know, it's not because the, the war themselves and you're impressed with the grammar and you're, like, trying to figure, you know, um, that, that, that you read it over and over and over again. If you have ever received those letters, right? Uh, if you haven't, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'm sorry. Uh, it's just, you know, yeah. But you grew up okay. It's, it's all right, okay? Uh, but if you have received those letters, um, you, you read those letters over and over again. Maybe you even kind of, you know, uh, you know, when you're sleeping, you put it under your pillow or I never did that. But, you know, uh, or you put it in between your, your, your book and then you just take it out over and over again. Uh, because and it's, not, it's not just because you're, you're trying to memorize the content of the letter, right? Why are you reading it over and over again? Because when you're reading it, it's like you're speaking to that person. You're listening to that person. You feel like you're closer to that person. You're you're, you're becoming more intimate. It feels very intimate. Email just doesn't do that for for me. But, you know, uh, and, and it says that they devoted themselves to teaching of the apostles. I'm telling you, it wasn't because they were uh, excited about just, you know, stacking their their minds with uh, more verses. You know, oh yeah, I know more verses than before. No, it's because through the teaching, through the study of the Word, they were becoming intimate with the Lord. They were getting closer to God. You know, and, and, and that's what was going on. And second, it says that they devoted uh, themselves to Paul's teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Okay? Um, it says that uh, fellowship, uh, obviously, they weren't doing uh, all of this separately. Uh, you know, uh, it's really hard to picture what it must have been like. I mean, one day out in the street, Peter preaches one message and 3,000 people you know, uh, uh, say, oh, okay, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, I give my heart to Jesus Christ. I want to I follow Jesus Christ, whom a lot of them just saw about 50 days ago get crucified, you know. And, and so uh, this was an amazing thing that was happening, and it says that they were meeting, if you read on, um, so fellowship, and you expanded a little bit uh, in the verses uh, below, 
44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. This is where it gets accused of communism a little bit here and there. But uh, all the believers were together. Um, and uh, uh, 46, every day they continued to what? Meet together in the temple courts. Okay, they broke to bread together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. See, I look at this and, uh, you know, I, I love you guys all, but, you know, I don't know if I want to see you guys every day. Okay, so I don't know what was happening at this time, but it says that they were meeting every day. All these people in the temple court, just every day. Uh, obviously, they had different schedules uh, from what we have right now and different, uh, you know, uh, tempo of life. Um, uh, but it says that they were just meeting every day together. I, it's really hard to explain uh, what that must have been like or even imagine because we have a hard time dealing with our family members every day, right? But these are people that were strangers coming from different backgrounds. And, and some of them, I mean, you have thousands of people just coming together like this. It must have been, uh, there must have been people that must have hurt them in the past, you know, that they didn't like before. They didn't get along maybe so well uh, before. But for whatever reason, in, in some capacity, they were meeting every day together in the temple courts, in homes. And again, obviously, it's not like three, 4,000 people every day together in one block, you know, having a block party every day. That's not what was happening. But it said they were meeting every day. See, why, why is this important? Why is this important uh, when we're looking at early church? And as we're rebooting, resetting our faith, why is this important for the church? You see, when God moves, when God blesses his people, when God uh, allows his people to encounter him and, and, and people meet God, what happens is, of course, there is this sort of individual uh, kind of personal understanding of God and personal relationship that is established. But what we have to realize is that God restores the true understand, true sense of community as it was meant to be. It's not just, and we talked about this last year about uh, how church being a community and why that's so important. But, and we're also, you know, the question that's been coming up uh, since we started the Book of Acts series is, is about the Holy Spirit um, and Trinity. These are things we, we're going to just keep wrestling with throughout this uh, year as we look through the Book of Acts. But the thing about Trinity, uh, even though, even if we can't explain everything about it right now, uh, in our lifetime maybe even, but the thing about Trinity is that it's a community in the Godhead. Okay? Um, and uh, somebody explains it like, you know, if God is love and God existed before we existed, uh, and, and now that we are here, you know, it says that God is love, God loves us. Well, before he created us, before there were ever, ever angels, how was God love? How can you, if there is nobody else, how can you love? And so that's the beauty and the mystery of Trinity mingled together. And you, you realize, man, God had three in one. And within that Trinity, that there is community. And that's why God is love. Because within the Godhead, there can be love. And, and he created us and he loves us. But even before we were, God was and he was love. Because within the Godhead, there was community. And so when we come into a relationship with God, when we understand God, hey, we don't just go off uh, into, the, into a cave or, or isolate ourselves in, in my room and say, oh, now I'm set because I know God. You know, I, I know God through Jesus and, and Holy Spirit's blessing me. I'm feeling all these things right now. So as long as I'm here, I read the Bible, I'm, I'm good. No, God restores the community. And this is perhaps one of the most important messages that we need to hear right now. 
Because you look at the world, and what is broken is the sense of community that is broken. And, and that is so ironic to me because we, we say increasingly for the past two, three decades, it, it, the globalization has happened. And, and, and you know, we're all so connected. And you, you know what I'm talking about, you know, that we're all so connected, and yet people feel more lonely than ever before. The sense of community is broken in between countries and, and nations and, 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 and you know, between generations. And, and it, it, it's really ironic to me. It's really, it doesn't make sense to me at some level. And, and when we come into a relationship with our God, the Creator, that, of course, that there's that personal salvation, individual uh, kind of uh, entering and intimacy that we gain with God, but that there's more than that, that, that we gain a community, that we understand this community that we belong to even now, oh, I need to see it with a different set of eyes. And here we see that people, uh, now, you know, I want you to understand, I'm not emphasizing the, the point of, of the fact that they met every day. That's not what I'm driving at here. Okay? What I'm emphasizing is that they were eager to meet each other every day. That there was a desire that they never had before. When they came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ and they had a whole new understanding of God and, and their, their scripture that they had all known all their life suddenly made sense in the light of what Jesus Christ has done. They had a different understanding of community, different practice of how to do community. Psalm 133 verse 1 says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. You know, even going back even farther to Genesis, then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, in our likeness, talking about the community that exists within the Trinity. And Philippians, go, go back to the New Testament, you know, come back to the New Testament, and Paul in Philippians 2 says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, spend all your days singing praises to the Lord, that would be good, but no, that's not what he says. If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion that comes from the Lord, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in your community, one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Man, I don't know how many of you watched the, the GOP debate this past week. Anybody? Uh, I know Democratic debate is tonight, uh, but uh, GOP debate, I was watching and I was like, wow, it's almost like watching an implosion happening, you know, and uh, they were just so uh, vicious with each other, and uh, um, uh, I'm not going to talk about all politics and things like that, but just looking at that and, and just reading this, is, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, uh, but in humility consider others better than yourselves, and it's like you're looking at it, and I mean, some of it they kind of have to, but um, you, you can't be up there like, don't vote for me. I don't, I'm not qualified. You know, you can't do that. You know, they, they're not going to vote for you. But uh, just the spirit behind how their people are carrying themselves and this entire, you know, everything that's happening right now with, with election and politics. And, uh, and he says that in verse 4, each of you should look not only to your own interests but also to the interests of others. I believe that when we come into a relationship with God that we begin the journey of becoming the community of God that God had originally intended it to be. We have that personal relationship, but we gain a community, and God restores and, and begins working on our understanding of community. And it also says, the, the third characteristic that I want to point out is uh, generosity. They had everything in common. 
um, 45, this is going to scare you all. It says, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need, as they had need, okay? So they, they were selling their own properties, um, and they, it says that, you know, they had everything in common. And I, honestly, I probably need to do more research on that, but I don't know how much in common they had. Like, does that mean, you know, literally, mi casa, tu casa? You know, is it, is it like, what's mine is yours, and what's yours is mine too, you know, kind of a thing? Was really just everything was like that? Or just, you know, like in 45, you know, whenever they saw somebody in need, it wasn't like you need to have a committee meeting, go through, you know, all these approvals and, you know, all that. It's just, here, here's what I have. Take it. You know, oh, you, I don't need this. So let me sell this, and with what I get here, go buy food for yourself and for your family. Oh, get medicine for your, your parents or, or whatever. I don't know exactly how it was happening. All I know is that they had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone as they had need. And I don't think that it was limited within the church. When it says they gave to anyone, I don't think they were saying, oh, are you one of us? Are you in the church? You know, oh, if they say, yes, I believe in Christ, and oh, here, let me help you. No, I don't think it was like that. It was just, it was such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and overflowing of generosity as a result that uh, they were giving things away. They were sharing everything. When we enter into a relationship with God, we have a new understanding of community, and along with that, what comes is new understanding of wealth. Okay, new understanding of wealth. And I think this is perhaps, our church is in the middle of San Marino. <laughs> so it, it, it might be one of the most difficult messages to speak. Um, you know, there is a church in downtown LA uh, called New City Church. Anybody heard of this church, New City Church? Um, yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you guys, yeah. Um, you know, we visited this church and, uh, uh, and met with the pastor. And, and we have friends that go to this church. You know, one of the things... This church is not perfect by any means, okay? Uh, but it's right in the middle of downtown. Um, and one of the things that they're really doing is um, really, really honestly reaching out to the community in downtown. And we're not talking about people who live in the lofts and things like that, but literally people that are homeless and people that are... And so what, what, what it is is you go into the church and, uh, or small groups, is you have people who are living in high-rises in downtown. And in the same group, you have somebody that just walked off, walked in from the street, you know. And uh, in the church, you're worshiping, and you have people, you know that they are, they drove in from the suburbs. You can just tell, right? Um, but you also know that you're sitting right next to somebody, you just walked past him on the street, you know. Um, and, and so you see this, and uh, it, it's not easy then I don't think, you know, like I said, they're not a perfect church, um, and they, they have a lot of issues and problems too, uh, but what they're trying to do is, you know, you know, let me tell you this, people talk about multi-ethnic church, multiracial churches, I think that's not too hard. I think that's not too hard. If you just want it, if you, especially if you grew up in the States or whatever, it's not too hard to go to a place where there, it's multi-ethnic church, it's multiracial church, you know, I mean, but we all have our preferences and different cultural backgrounds, so that is, you know, I don't think it's a big deal, but, 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 breaking down socioeconomic barriers, that's almost impossible. I don't, I, I'm perfectly happy and blessed worshiping with my brothers from, you know, uh, different, uh, brothers with different skin colors and, and, and you know, uh, different neighborhoods, you know, as long as they're from the similar socioeconomic level. 
But if you put together, even in this room, how comfortable would you be if we were mixed, complete? I don't mean like, you know, mixed, uh, like, you know, race or whatever, but different socioeconomic level of people all in this room, homeless all the way through people who own homes in San Marino. It's not perfect. They have their issues because of this. But what I see here is that when the, the Spirit moves and there's an outpouring of the Spirit, that when you have a new understanding of, of community, what happens is that, you know, uh, really, fundamentally, what happens at the core of your, your, your heart is, is the shift of, of your lordship, your allegiance, right? So who is my Lord? Because before you meet Christ, my Lord is me. I am the Lord. I make all the decisions. I make all the calls. I make all the shots, you know. But when you uh, uh, switch over your allegiance to Jesus Christ and he becomes your Lord in your heart, he's, he's my Lord, like literally my Lord. What happens is that, well, what happens to everything that I possess? It's my Lord's. It's my Lord's. So if you take that, keep going with that, then what, what it, where you end up is, I actually don't own anything. I'm not different from that person who actually doesn't own a home or doesn't even have a rental apartment, whatever to live in, doesn't have all these clothes or whatever. I'm not different. If we confess the same Lord, if we have the same Lord, then what I own is really just, there's no reason for me to be like this, you know, hoarded and, and guarded, and it's all mine. This is really tough. This is really tough. Even as I say it, I'm not wealthy, but it's still hard for me. <laughs> because I have a little, I don't want to share it. Why should I share with somebody who doesn't have as much as I do? I worked for this. But when we come into a relationship with God, understand that He is my creator, He is my Lord, it's such a radical shift that should happen. To a point where you may not be able to right now, you know, go out and say, if, if one of you comes up to me after the message and says, I was so moved, I'm going to go and sell my house and give away everything and, and I'm just going to, you know, live at the church. You know, I, I'm going to ask you to just calm down, okay, and uh, think it over. You know, let's pray about this. But, 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 there should be a desire. How do, what do I do with what I do have when my brother and sister with the same Lord is suffering? How does this make sense? They sold what they had and gave to anyone as they had need. And finally it says they, they, they were praying together and they were praising together every time they came together. Prayer and praise. Man, you cannot take this out from Christianity. You cannot, you know... Uh, Prayer is seeking God's face. And, and prayer is, you know, if, if anything, if anything, prayer is a sign of humility before God. Prayer is kneeling before God, prostrating before God, and saying, look, I am not the one in control. And, and, and they were able to do this together as a community, seeking God. And I keep saying, this year, my prayer for our church is that we become a praying church. And what that means is that we become a humble church before God. 
That we are able to go on our knees and, and say, God, I am not my own God. I am not my Lord. And I'm, I'm seeking your face and I want you, and all whatever struggles and problems you might have. You know, yes, go to uh, the hospital for that. You know, go find a therapist for that. Go seek a pastor for counseling for that. And go seek your friends in, in faith uh, for, to, to have uh, encouragement and, and counsel and all these things. But you know, before any of those things that you are able to get on your knees and say to God, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I need your wisdom. I need you to guide me. I need you to help me. And praising God all the time. And that's such an important spiritual discipline. We talked about this last year too briefly, but the, the idea that, you know, uh, that we all worship something, that we all, everybody worships something, but constantly coming back to that place of putting God at the top, you know, putting God a, a, at the place where, you know, you are above all else. There's no one else. And praising God, I'm praying Him in His place, and, and as a result, putting myself in my place. And, and when that life of prayer and praise is, is absent or it, it, it's, it's you know, dysfunctional, and then what happens is God, you don't see God in his place and you don't see yourself in your place. And that's why you, have, you begin to have all these, all these weird things in your life. The, the things don't make sense. I'm not, just, I'm not saying that you know, you're going to suffer or whatever, because, but just in your spiritual life, your understanding of the world and your relationship with others, you know, when you don't understand who God is, when, when you don't understand who you are in light of who God is, then we are going to be missing a huge part of our Christian life. So these four characteristics we see right away um, uh, were kind of the hallmarks or the qualities of the early church. And the result of this is that there were signs and wonders, signs and wonders, okay? Um, miracles were happening. Uh, that's just uh, very simply put, miracles were happening. Like people were sick, they would pray for them, and they would, they would be healed instantly. People were getting answers to their crazy prayers, like just, just like that. Signs and wonders, the things that you can't explain right now, even back then. People were just experiencing all these things, witnessing all these miracles. And then what else was happening? It says at the la- on the last verse, what does it say? Uh, 47, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved every single day. It's not talking about church attendance. What is he saying very specifically? The number that were being saved. People were coming to Christ. They were being saved every single day. So you think about it, you, you know, they were devoting themselves to teaching. They were being generous. They had a whole new understanding of community. Um, and they were praying and praising together. How could people not respond to that? Things were happening. And how could not people respond to that? That's what was going on at that time. So I, I started out by saying, so is our goal, is our objective to look exactly like this church. I already told you, I don't want to see all of you every day. I don't think you want to see me every day either. Okay? Um, and just, we just have a different uh, life, you know, tempo of life, rhythm of life. Uh, we, we don't uh, live in that specific particular culture like what they did back then. You know, a city was smaller, uh, you know, and everybody went to the same place to shop for groceries or, you know, uh, just, it wasn't, it's not like that. We don't, we don't, I mean, 
You know, some of you drove like 30 minutes, you know, 40 minutes to come to church. You know, uh, it's, we don't live in, in that type of thing. So we can't meet every day. You know, even if we designate a park somewhere, we can't meet every day. So I'm not saying that we should meet every day. Not, nor am I saying that we should all sell everything we own and give it to everybody else. Then, then you know, I'm going to be on the newspaper. I'm going to be some cult leader, you know, uh, that told everybody to sell everything, you know, because that's what we're supposed to do. Um, no, that's not what I'm saying. What happened at the time was special because in that context, in that culture, in that time, with their background, when the Holy Spirit moved, they responded out of that context. What we should aspire to, when we read passages like this, what we should be thinking about is, in this time, in this context, when the Spirit moves, how should we respond appropriately in this context? So of course we're not going to be meeting every day. Of course we're not going to be selling everything and own everything, put everything in a pot. I mean, we're not going to go out and get one, one bank account, right? Right? Anybody open to that idea? No, right? Tim, Tim, because he's got, yeah, he, he might have a smaller bank account than others. I'm with you right there. I'm, I'm with you, yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> right? That's not what I'm saying. And yet, and yet, if we see that when there was an outpouring of the Spirit, when there was a real relationship with God, that these were the things that were happening. People had the desire and the urge and, and kind of uh, the leading of the Spirit and people responding in obedience to this. And you look at our life right now, our spiritual walk, are we responding in these ways? Are we? You don't have to try to get even close, but is there even that inkling or desire? And, and when there is, are we responding in obedience Maybe we won't be meeting every day, but I sure, sure hope, really hope that at least we have the desire and we're eager and excited to meet each other on Sundays, once a week, and every other week at life groups. I, I hope at least we have that desire and, and, and wanting and be excited to see other brothers and sisters and, 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 and would love to welcome other non-believing brothers and sisters to these things and help them experience what we have. You know, I, I, I don't think we'll sell everything any, anytime soon. Um, I don't think I will anytime soon. But I sure hope that all of us in this room will become more generous. We'll begin to have a new understanding of wealth, what it means. I mean, I was so close to buying that Powerball ticket this week. You know, I was so close. But, you know, it's like, I, I know, I, you know, how generous could you be? You know, and you think, Man, you're in $1.6 billion jackpot. Even after taxes, it's like $600 million some dollars, you know. Um, and you think, man, I could be so generous. Yeah, right. No way, you know. I'll bet my jackpot winnings that you wouldn't be, you know, because that's how we are. But when you encounter the living Christ, what he has done for you, there should be something that happens in your heart that has to be supernatural. It has to be something more than what the world can do. Jesus said even the world loves their friends. People love them. But can you love your enemies? That's what we're talking about here. 
maybe, you know, uh, we, we won't see physical healing happening every single time we pray for one another. I would love for that, but it just hasn't happened, <laughs> right? But, but, I hope that we're not afraid to. I hope that we're completely open to praying for one another. When somebody's sick and somebody's going through a tough time and they're struggling with, you know, I don't know, mental issues, depression, or suicidal thoughts, or, or whatever it might be, anxiety disorder, you know, whatever it might be, that we are open to praying for one another and asking for supernatural intervention, supernatural healing to happen. Why? Why not? Why are we so afraid of that? Maybe I won't see it every single day, but that doesn't mean that I, don't, I shouldn't pray for it at all. Maybe we won't see thousands of people filling this room. I told you the limit is what? 181 people standing in this room? Maybe we won't see 181 people in this room next Sunday. Maybe. Probably not. I have very little faith, apparently. But, but, I hope in the midst of our worship, in the midst of our community, whenever we come together, when we pray together, when we do life together in faith, that occasionally we will see one, two, maybe three people, maybe five, dare I say ten, people who didn't know Christ who didn't know the love of Christ before. But because of you, because of you being devoted to uh, the word, uh, because you being, uh, becoming more generous supernaturally, because you being willing to pray for others in love, that they're able to see Christ in you and that they're able to come and experience and be able to give their life over to Christ. I don't think that's asking for too much, nor asking for the impossible. What is happening here? What is happening here? Holy Spirit came. That's what happened. You know, a sister in one of the life groups this Friday reminded us that, you know, we all have the Holy Spirit. When you say you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. We have different theological ways of explaining what all this means, you know, but it doesn't, take away from the fact that when you come into a relationship with Christ, the Holy Spirit is in you. However you interpret it, however you want to you know, work it out theologically, I don't care, frankly, because we're going to all have points of disagreements. But these people in the church who was walking in their relationship with Jesus Christ, they were responding to the Holy Spirit, however they understood it. Made them more generous, made them more loving, made them pray more, made them praise more, made them excited to see other brothers and sisters more. It wasn't a chore. It wasn't a religious duty that they were trying to do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.